Well, church, this is week, I think, number five for our discussion on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to get into it today, have a little discussion, and, and, and as we work through the prayer, we get to the part of this where we ask God for the things that we need. This is the pertinent part, specifically in the, in the times and the seasons that we're in. So let's read this prayer together again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think this, uh, this prayer has been probably said, quoted, memorized, preached on more than almost anything that uh, I can think of. And there's a seeming a real clear cut division point that we're entering into now. The first several weeks, we looked at this whole thing being God's kingdom, God the Father in heaven, the, the, the total divinity of this who we pray to. And now there's a switch into the humanity of this prayer. We're asking for our needs and our sins and, and all sorts of things that, that God will do for people. And it made me st just stop and think that, <clears throat> that I don't think the transition happens just as easily as reading the sentence that there's a, there's a good thing that we should do is stop and to consider the differences between God who knows and is and what it means to be human. And that, that just says volume specifically when we get into things like, well, give us, give us our daily bread or forgive us our debts or uh, don't lead us into temptation. There is a recognition that <clears throat> we are not like him at all. And supposedly, if we've done the work in the first couple of verses, we've really got close to who God is and who we aren't. And there's some, there's some reality to this, and I think it's important to say before we kind of get through the details of it, would be that to embrace the, the fact that our humanness speaks loudest, specifically in seasons of need or want. So, um, you know, it, to be human means to be satisfied with the wrong things. Not like you set out to do that. It just happens. And when those things that we're satisfied in that aren't God get removed or questioned, anxiousness and worry come, right? It is human to, to wander, wander from truth and wander in truth. It's human to be that. It's human to worry and stress. It's, it's human to be short-sighted. It's human to try to find answers without all the information. And, and when you start the conversation about our Father in heaven, you're an immediate moment saying, you've got the information. So the peace comes from the fact that I don't have to know it all. He already knows it all. But what it's like to be us is we don't. And so the very first request we ask is daily bread. Give us our daily bread. That word daily, <clears throat> it's the only time it's used in Scripture. In fact, it's not, it's not even used in any other Greek writings except for one small place where they found supposedly a grocery list from a Greek woman. And it was basically the idea that um, I need to get what I need tomorrow. It was kind of that word, that idea. And so... When you think about the basic way you pray this prayer, it's like, God, I can see this coming. There's something happening. I think I have a need coming. So I'm going to say today what I need tomorrow. I can sense it happening. And so you kind of you look at your culture. You look at your job. You look at your family. You look at your bank account. And you go, I could see this coming. So you pray for tomorrow's needs as you humanly perceive them, right? And I think there's a couple thoughts, and, and, and obviously we'll get your guys' things that you've been working on too, but one of the things that dawned on me, and I think in story form, the first thing I think is, well, if I can pray for bread, 
then there isn't anything too small for God. Like there isn't anything I got to go, well, a real spiritual person wouldn't pray for bread. He'd pray for something bigger than that. And um, so I think of, I think of uh, like a story. I, I saw my daughter-in-law, Allie, with uh, my grandson, Hunter, in a little swimming pool. And, you know, little kids, they don't mind cold water. But when they're cold, everything starts shaking and shivering. And when she wrapped him in a towel to warm him up, that was a wonderful picture for me. Like nobody prays for the towel. You don't even think to pray for something like that. You only care when you need it. That, that's the reality of it. And so you might, you might be in this season of your life and you have no idea what, what is going on. And you might find yourself asking God for things you never thought of before. But you don't know to ask until you have a need. And that's part of what it means to pray something as simple as, as uh, give us our daily bread. So I, first of all, there's nothing too small. Praying for jobs and praying for houses and food and kids and health and whatever, that's, that's good to pray. The other thing is, uh, that dawned on me was that we're not big enough for our needs. I can't even get bread without asking God for bread, right? So bread, ultimately, if you think the big picture, we need rain, we need seed, we need sun, we need a farmer, we need a baker, we need a store, and I need money. All of those things God is responsible for. And so just, just a couple thoughts came to mind is that I can pray everything because I'm not big enough for anything. Oh, that's so good. I, you, we've been talking about how this prayer marries uh, the majestic with the mundane. And I think at this point in the prayer, at least for me, it's just exactly what you're just saying. It's like the majestic father in heaven, name totally set apart, unlike anyone or anything else says, bring me the daily need, bring me, bring me what you need, bring the mundane thing that you need, the towel, the bread, bring, bring that to me. And uh, we, we were talking about this just the other day. And I was telling you how this is not normally a prayer that I even pray. It's not a natural prayer because I, I, I'm not in jeopardy of going without bread. Now in this season, we kind of, our bread's hard to find. And, and in seasons like this, where scarcity is felt more acutely, certainly this prayer comes more to the top. Or when I've been in places like where the church is working in partnerships like Ethiopia and Haiti and Dominican Republic and those kind of places where there is, um, you, you know, there is scarcity of food. There is scarcity of resources. This prayer kind of bubbles up to the top. So my first kind of thought was, God, I'm thanking you for this season because it's making this prayer just make so much more sense to me. And I'm, and I'm going back to this prayer. It's a real gift from, from you. I, I, I was thinking about um, in Exodus, which we went through uh, just earlier, and God, of course, he sets the slaves free because that's what God does. And he takes them to the wilderness. They need to eat. So he provides them food and he gives the instruction of like, just take the food that you need um, for tomorrow. Don't take more. Don't, don't hoard it. And then in Deuteronomy 8, where he's talking to them about that, he said, I, I, I took you through that whole process so that you'd learn that man doesn't live by bread alone but you, you live according to the faithfulness of God by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And, and he said, I, I want you to, to live day by day because that helps you to sync up to the reality that you're alive because I, I allow you to be alive. Um, and right before they enter the promised land, he's trying to teach them in Deuteronomy 8. And I, I was reading this and he says, he said, I'm putting you in a place. And the, and the scripture says this, he's like, you'll eat bread without scarcity and, and you'll lack nothing. 
So God's not against the prayer of asking for bread because he takes them to the promised land where they, they won't be without. But then he says in verse 17, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. So you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. So for me, it's, it's that reminder. I, this might be dumb, but I was thinking about um, that scene in the movie, What About Bob? And maybe in post-production, they'll put this scene in there. But uh, it's when Bob is strapped to the mast of the sailboat and he's screaming out, I'm sailing, I'm a sailor, I'm sailing. And he gets off the boat and he's like, Doc, I'm, I'm a sailor, I sailed. And Doc's like, yeah, just keep sailing, Bob, right? You're not a sailor, <laughs> you weren't sailing. But I think sometimes I can go through life like that. Like I'm strapped to the mast of this thing that God is doing and God is moving, but I can start to think, oh no, the reason that there's something in the pantry, the reason that the lights are on, the reason that the mortgage is paid or the rent is paid is because of me and my work and my labor. And so this, this prayer sets me straight on that. And the reason that I have to pray every day, Lord, give me my daily bread today is because I need to re be reminded of and I need to be aligned with the reality that the very breath that I draw, let alone having something to eat, is totally and completely a work of God. And so this, this prayer, especially this moment in this prayer, is, is just a perspective setter. And it helps me to not only align my mind, but to align my life uh, according to the priorities of God and with the right perspective of who God is in my life. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I keep thinking about that, uh, the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. And Tim, your mentioning of what that word means is literally give us tomorrow's bread today. And I'm, I'm just finding a ton of freedom in this reality of we're praying to our Father and he's inviting us into his care. So just before he teaches, here's how you should pray. He says, don't pray with many words, feeling like you have to repeat yourself over and over, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. So it makes me look at this and go, why then, if he already knows what we need, are we asking for our needs? And it's an invitation into his care and an invitation into the recognition that every good and precious gift comes from his hand, whether it's a towel that I never think about or the bread that's on my shelves that we may set ourselves up to say, that's the work of my hands, but in reality, it's the grace of God. But the freedom to pray, God, give us tomorrow's bread today. I've been thinking a lot of part of that if we're just starting with where we are and going, I'm coming like a child offering is the concerns of our anxieties. Uh, this is something many of us are feeling right now as we're feeling lonelier, many of us are feeling depressed and we're feeling anxious and sometimes our asking for daily bread isn't just physical sustenance, but it's, uh, God, I need the power to get through the next day. And many times our fear of tomorrow is the fear of feeling what I feel today, tomorrow. So this right. saying, God, give me tomorrow's security today. Um, cast your cares upon God because he cares for you. This is an invitation into his care. And this passage in Philippians 4, <clears throat> when he says, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. There's a, a movement more and more in our culture all the time of like life is hard, but grit your teeth and bear it and just act like 
you're pretty tough and you can get through it yourself. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible doesn't say, just grit your teeth and bear it. It does say, be anxious about nothing, but it doesn't stop. It says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The premise of I'm strong enough to get through this, or I can create enough serenity in and of myself by <clears throat> doing enough breathing to bring about peace, the Bible's saying that's not true. God's invitation into his care, where we can rest in the fact that he does have the whole world in his hands, is such an incredible recognition. And the way we press into that recognition is by presenting our request to him, which is casting our cares upon him, bringing to him what we need. And the other part of this I think about a lot with prayer and the freedom of the way God teaches us to pray is a lot of times we really got to think we have to get our stuff in order. Like yeah. I'm coming before God and I have a friend of mine who makes this statement of we need to just be like Mrs. Piggy who's very self-absorbed. Like just start by offering what you want to offer to God and believe that as you get into the care of God and into the presence of God, he reorients you. He may take something that you think is a need and go, that's actually a greed and I'll trust me with this, but we have to just start casting our cares upon God. And I think that's an invitation for all of us because we're praying, give us together our daily bread as we need to bring him our anxieties right now and bring him our depressions right now, bring him our loneliness, cast our cares upon him for one reason, he cares for us. Mm -hmm. And there's a promise that when we do and only when we do that we can begin to experience the peace of God. That's true. You know, it makes me think of... Uh, what creates kind of the anxiousness or whatever. I think this, this thing confronts independence, don't you? Yeah. Like fundamentally, uh, when worry, anxiousness, uh, concern happens, it's basically when independence is stripped mm -hmm. and shown for what it really is. You're not independent. You're dependent. You can't, you can't pull off your daily needs. And when you think about the idea of dependence, there's... Uh, there's micro and macro, right? There is the daily bread. Man, I need to take care of my family. I need a paycheck. And there's the macro. And the macro is, I'm a sinner. I've, I've got no hope. If, if, if any passage really kind of helps you work through the reality that there's something bigger going on here than just making sure tomorrow you have a sandwich, it is that this, this uh, um, phrase of bread has a kingdom and a reality. There's a reality of my stomach and there's a reality of my soul. And there is a, I'm not independent of my physical needs and I'm clearly not independent of God's uh, grace to me. And so there's this, and, and, and the church would remember this. Uh, Jesus talked about himself in such a really great way, referring to himself as bread. He said in, in John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. He's referring to himself. He says, I'm, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this, he will live forever. I, I wonder, and we've talked about this too, and, and kind of what could God be doing in a virus moment in our country? And we're talking about all the good things that didn't happen, couldn't happen, wouldn't happen unless we kind of had to stop. And 
you know, makes me wonder. I kind of pinch myself and go, God, are you doing something I've prayed about forever? And it took this to kind of start doing things like that. But a couple of illustrations, uh, uh, not in specifics, but I've heard so many stories of people who, one, don't ever think towards God at all and never have to concern themselves with the reality of life and death. And then at the same time, we're, we're celebrating the church universal, celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And people are having to confront, um, there's this historical uh, day on a calendar that people think about God, whatever God is. But then they're having to ask the eternal thoughts of their own soul. And this is where this give me my daily bread pushes out farther to the macro in my mind. Because when you're all done asking God for tomorrow's sustaining physically, you should be asking questions about the ultimate sustaining power of Jesus for you. He is the bread of life. And, and that reality is that this is the gospel so what. We, we find gospel so what's in everything in the scriptures. But that there is a bread we all long for and need greater than the bread we eat. And for those of us who call ourselves Christians, who have confessed Christ and, and, uh, and know him that way, we know that. We know that, that our greatest um, deficit has been met in Christ, the ultimate bread that always eternally satisfies. It doesn't have to be renewed in the sense of find Jesus again, find him again, get saved again. It's always and, and permanently yours in Christ. And it makes me think of what we do even with the bread and the cup every week, you know, as a church. We gather together and we do what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. That when we gather, uh, we take a, a common loaf of bread and we break it as Jesus told us to. Symbolizing the brokenness and the destruction that his flesh took. He bore the weight of God's wrath for our sin and he, he died there. I'd love for us to kind of transfer this conversation to that thought in the Lord's Supper, because you guys were asked early on to grab the elements uh, when we began. So if you have your bread with you, remember the words of Christ as he tells us to remember him. Um, that in the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Church, Jesus was the bread of life, torn apart for our sins. Let's eat to remember. After supper, Jesus took a common cup of wine and he held it up and he talked about grace. And I, to be honest with you, my guess is that these uh, Hebrew common men uh, hadn't had a lot of sermons on grace. But Jesus was saying, this cup re represents my grace, uh, my salvation for you by faith. And there's life in Christ. So let's, let's drink to remember Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful that um, you know our needs. There isn't anything that we currently have that we're aware of and things that are coming that you don't know. And there isn't anything that we can't bring to you. And as any father, the greatest father of all, you care for us more than we care for ourselves. So God, help us just trust you. In, in the fact that you are the Father in heaven who knows and cares and has the power to do something about it. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't be trivial in the sense with our prayers, that somehow we think we've got to over-spiritualize them, that, Father, we just know we can tell you and let you do what you do. 
I also am grateful that nothing points to Christ and our need for an ultimate bread than a need like this. So, God, we're thankful for Jesus, our Savior, and we, we pray this all in his name. Amen.